Hello, Laboratory. It's great to be here where we get to talk about, you know, the most important and, and greatest scientists of our time. So I thought I'd start by talking about myself. Um, I'm currently running an experiment. Um, I, should, I should mention my, uh, my primary collaborator in this, actually, my wife, where we're creating a human. It's, uh, that's, that's, that, thank you for that smattering of applause from one gentleman. Um, no, it's, it's, it's true. We're quite excited. We're in the final stages. You know, we're preparing the manuscript at the moment. Uh, we're hoping to submit to nature. Um, if it gets rejected, we'll go to nurture. Um, but we're, you know, we're very excited and we're learning about lot, a lot about what's going to be happening to our infant after they enter the world. And one of the things that's going to happen during those first few hours of birth, whilst we're still cradling her in our, in our arms, a very nice nurse will come and give a little heel prick of vitamin K. And I'm very curious. I wanted to learn more about this vitamin K. You know, what is it? Why do we give it? Why do the vitamins go A, B, C, D, E, and then just jump to K? And yes, there are eight B vitamins, but that's just a whole nother, nother rabbit hole. Uh, this talk today, it's about Henrik Dam, who was studying cholesterol in Copenhagen in 1928, and would later go on and receive the Nobel Prize for the discovery of vitamin K. Uh, but our story starts, like all good stories do, with Canadian chickens. Uh, so it's 1928. Henrik, he's interested in cholesterol. He knows that uh, rats, mice and dogs, they're all able to synthesize cholesterol. They're able to make it. But it was thought that chickens couldn't. And that's because 14 years earlier, in 1914, res researchers in Ontario showed that chickens, they didn't grow when their cholesterol was extracted from their diet. But cholesterol, when you extract that, you extract a lot of other things as well fat-soluble things. And back in 1914, we didn't really know that much about fat-soluble things. Vitamin A, the first fat-soluble vitamin to be discovered, was only discovered that year. Um, in 1920, six years later, was when we discovered vitamin D. So Henrik, he wanted to try and repeat these studies, extracting cholesterol from the diet, but adding back in vitamin A and vitamin D. Um, and from this, he found that the chickens were able to grow. And we conclude from this that chickens, they can make their own cholesterol. They don't need it in the food. Done. Boom. End of story. He's proved the chickens can make cholesterol. But um, there, was this, there was this one curious finding. He noticed that when chickens were kept on these diets for longer periods of time, they would start to bleed. And when he took the, the blood out and had a look at it under the microscope, it would take longer to clot. And he was really curious about this. Was it the lack of cholesterol which was causing this bleeding to happen? He just proved that chickens can make their own cholesterol. So he went back. He, he got his cholesterol-extracted diet. He put the vitamin A and the vitamin D back in. And then he added just pure cholesterol to it. And still the chickens bled. Okay, thought Henrik, you know, maybe these diets, they're too low in fat now. So he tried it again. He added linseed oil into it and then trioline, which is an unsaturated fatty acid from olive oil. But still, the chickens bled. Um, around this time, the original people back in Canada, they observed that you know, these chickens were, were having prolonged bleeding time as well. So they tried, tried a couple of things. They found that adding uh, fish or meat meal back into the diets, they stopped the bleeding. But when they tried ether-extracted fish or meat meal, 
the chickens still bled, but they didn't take it any further than that. Around this time, in, over in California, researchers showed that they could prevent this bleeding by giving the chickens fresh cabbage. Aha, they said. Cabbage has vitamin C. Vitamin C is saving our chickens. Now, Henrik, he, was, he wanted to test this, and vitamin C had just been purified. So he got some of this pure vitamin C. He fed it to his chickens, but the chickens still bled. He, he tried a number of other approaches as well. He altered the salt content of the diet. Then he tried adding wheat germ, and the chickens, they still bled. He knew there was some unknown factor that was removed from the diet when we extract that cholesterol, but he didn't know what. By 1935, he was trying anything. He tried different plant extracts. He tried mashing up animal organs and feeding that to the diet. And finally found that there are a few things, pig liver being one of them, that would actually stop these chickens bleeding. So now he knows that there's some fat-soluble factor in there and it's necessary to stop these chickens from bleeding. He gives it a name. This is helping blood uh, to coagulate. So he says, I'm going to call this coagulation vitamin. He was in Germany at the time, where they spell coagulation with a K. And that is where we get the, uh, the vitamin K from. Oh, end, end of story, that's enough, I think. Um, so he, and he managed to figure out that you know, this concentration of, of pig liver, this, it's in there somewhere. So he worked hard for years and years, just trying to purify it down, testing each, each um, sort of section of the purification process, until he finally got to the point where he had a a pretty pure or pretty strong concentration of vitamin K. And from there, he could study the effects of it and learn about its actions, figure out how it was actually helping blood to clot. Uh, in 1939, uh, Edward Doisy, uh, he actually was able to isolate vitamin K from alfalfa meal and then able to describe the chemical structure. So it's 1940, so we now know what vitamin K looks like, we know what it does, and we can use it to stop chickens bleeding, which chickens were thrilled about. And uh, people were getting thrilled about it as well. Uh, in the late 1930s, you know, vitamin K was first used to treat uh, hemorrhages in humans. People with obstructive jaundice, they have a tumour that stops the bile duct being able to secrete bile. It means that they can't absorb fat. It means they can't absorb fat-soluble vitamins. So it means they don't get any vitamin K. So they're very low in vitamin K. So when the surgeons go in to remove that tumour, there's a really high risk of them bleeding. They gave vitamin K before the surgery and a bit afterwards and were able to reduce that rate of bleeding. Um, now people, us people, we're all people here, we get vitamin K from food, but about half of our vitamin K, that's actually produced in our gut by our bacteria there. And we're all um, very lucky because we've got an army of bacteria in our gut that are working really hard making that vitamin K for us. But it's not great news for newborn babies who don't actually have any bacteria in their gut when they're born. And it takes a while for that bacteria to build up to a point where it can produce enough vitamin K for us. Um, and during this time, there's a small but very, very serious risk of bleeding uh, to newborn babies. Now, Henrik, he was able to show that from the blood from babies who had hemorrhaged, that took a lot longer to clot compared to the blood from babies who didn't hemorrhage. He then tried and intervention study um, in the early 40s, which I'm sure was ethically above board, um, treating babies with vitamin K, and it decreased the clotting time back to normal levels in about 24 hours. 
1943, Henrik received the Nobel Prize uh, for medicine for the discovery of vitamin K, and it's easy to see why their work was worthy of this recognition. There was a 1944 uh, paper published in The Lancet which looked at 13,000 infants and found that vitamin K injection given at birth reduced the incidence of neonatal deaths from 2% down to 0.45%, which is a funny fact to someone, but it's a huge, huge reduction. Um, and by the 1950s, giving vitamin K at birth was, was just commonplace. And vitamin K deficiency, we're very lucky. It's the bleeding that occurred from it. It's very rare in countries where vitamin K is given prophylactically at birth. However, it's unfortunately still an issue in some rural, low-income areas, particularly around Southeast Asia, where it's estimated about one in a 1,000 infants suffers from intracranial bleeding, which could be prevented with vitamin K. Now, I really like the story of Henrik Dam and the, the discovery of vitamin K because there's no eureka moment. He noticed something that was curious to him, so he tried a bunch of things, none of which worked, and then he finally found something that worked, which I think is a good um, analogy for the, the whole scientific process. And I think the story also highlights the value to society of curiosity-driven science, often referred to as blue-sky research, which is increasingly difficult to get funding for. Henrik had shown chickens synthesize cholesterol. I mean, his PhD was titled Some Investigations on the Biological Significance of the Sterols. He got a PhD, could have been it, end of story. Uh, instead, he knows this peculiar phenomenon and he pursued it. He saw a question and he wanted to answer it for the sake of answering it. He was driven by curiosity to understand, and we can thank Henrik Dam's curiosity for leading us to the discovery of vitamin K, which has changed postnatal care worldwide and saved countless lives. Uh, the discovery of vitamin K, it's a story of cholesterol, of chickens, but above all, of curiosity. Thank you.